All right. You're cute. All right. Let's pray. We're, we're going to get started. It's about that time. So the Lord be with you. And with spirit. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning, this opportunity to come together and to uh, talk about weighty things, important things, and joyful things. We thank you for our children, mm-hmm. and we ask that you would come now by your spirit, be in our conversation and our discussion together, uh, and that we would walk away with a clearer uh, conviction and understanding of how we can best serve you and our children uh, and experience the joy that comes with that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, two more classes left. We're doing it. We are so close. We're, but I, we, we were like, what do we do next? I mean, just like, oh, we yeah. just want to be with parents. Like, parent people, yay! Yeah, whatever y'all, um, I didn't even think, of, I, I'm not the best planner, and so I didn't <laughs> think about you know what comes after this at all it's just like get me to christmas kind of thing so if y'all we are all ears on topics i think what what's been really nice what we've enjoyed about this has been the time to be together uh, with this group of folks and to we'd love to continue that we would hate to lose it i think going in the spring and so um all ears on various uh topics or things to talk about or to, to study. I did have an idea last night <clears throat> as I was reading this. I'm just going to share it. And I was like, ooh, this could be kind of fun. Like, I feel like the theme of, of the, all of everything we're doing is, like, how far behind the eight ball are we? You know, and, like, what can we plan ahead? What rhythms can we put in place? What are we realizing? Oh, we've been doing this, and we would like to adjust that. But I was like, so much of it, I think, where I struggle as a parent and that what I've heard so many other parents is just actually connecting and I think like even like that dad's group that you like, that you're doing on Tuesday mornings it's about like how do we equip ourselves to know the word of God in order to share it with our children in in a good way and I was like what if we went through children's books like just children's books that you just pick up off the shelf and read and what if we started actually like figuring out when we read this book like this is the play of it like when you read a book um, like Peter Rabbit how can you then dialogue with your child about the themes in the book that actually connect to the truth or the lie of scripture, right? Like, what is this saying about the world? And then how can we actually connect Jesus? Because I was like, man, that's like, I get real, I'm real good. We're real good at reading books to our kids. But then that's Capitalizing really... Capitalizing on the conversation. Yeah. yeah. But I don't, yeah. I, I hesitate to do that because I'm like, oh, I don't know. <clears throat> That's my idea. We can do that next. Something. Anyways, that's an idea. We're we're all ears. Come talk to us about it. Yes. Uh, We're going to talk about work and rest today, which go nicely together. Last week, I can't remember, it felt more um, superficial smooshing the topics last week together. This one fits a little more nicely. So we also have one chapter. Again, if you haven't read this, I, I just really, it's so short and there's some, I mean, it's just three pages from the chapter this week on idleness but it's just worth its weight in gold um and so i'll start with this because we'll spend almost all our time looking at habits of the household but uh and the duties of parents one of the things that stood out to me was his um his statement that idleness i think which gets it both like the goodness we should be working but also the goodness of resting i would say that he doesn't define idleness as rest he would say both work and rest are not idleness. But he says, um, I believe idleness has led to more sin than almost any other habit that could be named. 
I suspect it's been miserable, or responsible for many a work of the flesh, adultery, fornication, drunkenness, and many other deeds of darkness. Let your own conscience decide whether I speak the truth or not. Think about the times you've fallen into sin. How many times was it because you were idle and at once the devil knocked at the door? Um, so I just was like, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Idleness, and particularly with children, I think we are in such a prosperous age now that we talk about boredom all the time in our family, and a lot of that's going to come up. In... You always say, you're like, your boredom is a gift. Use it well. Well, he ha- no, he has this, uh, honestly, I've stolen what he says, um, Oh, goodness, where did he... Boredom is a struggle. Yeah, page 169, and uh, so that's in the play. He just says this is kind of an off... Yeah, it's in parentheses. Uh, At the very bottom of 169, he's like, um, let's see, instructing our kids to go out and engage in the world on their own means we invite them to get comfortable with the struggle against boredom. Parentheses, which is really just the struggle against the fallen imagination, mm. and that little parenthesis just hit me over the head. I was like, "That is an, that is what boredom is. It's the effect of sin in the world on our imaginations." He goes into play is all about um, reenchanting the world and all that. So we'll get to it. But I, I thought that was really good. The whole importance of boredom being an opportunity, uh, boredom as uh, something to uh, lament, really. But you can't. Filling it in yourself, you have to teach them to go and um, and to work against their boredom. And we've talked a lot about that. We touched on last week about that. Like, so what? What are we leading them to imagine with? You know, what things are we putting in their little world that then, when they are bored and they can go play and imagine, um, are they going to the good places or not? So where do you want to start? We've got work <laughs> or play. Um. Well. Let's start with work, because work was a good thing, but how about this? Why don't we kind of, I feel like the juggle between these, between the work and the play, was the word Sabbath. Mm -hmm. Are we going to get, I don't, I didn't look at the the syllabus, are we doing a Sabbath one or not? I think play falls under Under the sense of Sabbath. And I felt like reading this, maybe, Sabbath is set, I don't think we could define Sabbath cohesively in here as a group. I think everybody probably is sitting with just some random, like, and it's probably just going to be like, rest, time not working. But I think there's more of a holiness in the pursuit of Sabbath. If you, do you want to kind of set that general? Yeah. So, I mean, the I, one minute about what the Bible mm-hmm. says about yeah. work and Sabbath is probably helpful. Yeah. Um, so God sets the pattern for all work. We think about work today as something that most all of us begrudge. I never feel that way. I love my work. What are you talking about? So Okay, um, <laughs> Grace Anna, our daughter Grace Anna, just this week, I was laughing because I she has been saying, she goes, people make fun of me at school because I love to work. I love to work, I love to work, I love to work. And we're like, what? Yeah, I did not I mean, act she's that just, way as a child. No, I mean, she loves it. She takes great pride and joy in working. That is God's... <laughs> that is definitely God's mercy in spite of us on that one. Yeah. But work was a good thing. God created work. Uh, if you think about it, in the very beginning, that's what it was. And he spent six days working and he rested. He didn't. He wasn't tired, but he did it um, actually enjoying the work that he did, I think, is a, a better way to look at it. And in heaven, it's not like there's going to be no work. There's going to be work that we're going to have tasks to do. But the, the toy, remember the curse of the fall was that thorns and thistles will be produced as Adam works. And that's going to be undone in heaven. So imagine, I think Lewis and Tolkien, they talk about this sort of thing all the time. But imagine work 
where there is no toil, there is no frustration, and it's wholly good. Uh, maybe Grace Anna has a piece of that, I don't know how, but that's, what, that's the goodness of work and the importance both against idleness, but um, teaching our kids, not just telling them about it, but he really spends a lot of time telling us and showing us how that we can instill through certain habits the goodness of work. I really was impacted the way he talked about, oh, so Sabbath. Sabbath is also really important because we always have the tendency either to, I think today, either not work at all, we're very ineffective at working. It's like a, it's like a lazy day. Or, or we right? overwork and we are finding our complete identity in our work. And so one of my favorite titles is this um, book called Sabbath as Resistance. Mm -hmm. It's by Walker, Walter Brueggemann. Uh, just the whole idea that one day a week, the Sabbath was given as a sort of resistance against the status quo of the world. That everyone else around us thinks about you are what you produce. But God says, no, you are my people and you are not what you produce. And you're going to be constantly tempted to remember that. So I've given you this day to where you stake the ground and you don't work. And it is a terrifying, hard thing to do for those of us who are workaholics. Um, but that's precisely why it's important. So that falls into a little bit of the, the play. He talks about that at the end of the chapter on play. But um, what struck you in the chapter on work? Uh, well, man, conviction in how we talk about work. Because yeah. I think so often, um, like, what's, what's the scene when the, the parent, the second parent comes home? from work usually is like the sloughing off right like huh, or do we bring in a bad attitude of inconvenience because we're just really like you know home is that place where we're going to become our like most rested ugly self right <laughs> all the words come out <laughs> yeah, yeah but are we aware when how we come in what we present to our children about that place that mm -hmm. we're coming from as we come into their lives um so man there was conviction in that um and like as a spouse i think about like not i mean i really don't want to hold in contempt um the work that that we've committed to um in the in the world right in front of our children like oh, dad's at work again or you know and so often the kids will be like well where's dad i mean this morning like you know where's dad and i was like well he's at work or like where you know so it, it really like a strong conviction to to think more about how i represent um in in body language and and speech yeah I what the what the work the other is doing yeah it was a that was a big one how you mm -hmm. frame the whole importance of work and the goodness of work in our language mm -hmm. there were some really uh i loved page 150 151 he gives some helpful uh answers yeah. to common questions why do you so the, the question that you'll probably hear why do you have to go to work today and a response is i get to go to work which i'm actually really thankful for because god made us all to work some people don't have a job they like, and some don't have a job at all. Work is a blessing. Mm -hmm. What do you do at work? I remember, look, this was actually a question that was given to my son in like kindergarten or preschool. Like, yeah. It was one of those like fill out these information sheets about your dad. It, this is amazing. This is what my son believes pastoral ministry is. Uh, what does your dad do for work? He writes emails. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Well, um, it, 
No, what it, the mom one kills me. What's the mom one? I always, like, I actually got on a soapbox about this before. The mom one is always, like, mom's favorite drink. All the children write wine. And I'm like, teachers, please stop making this cute and funny because this isn't. This is actually deeply harmful. Um, yeah, but. Yeah. So, what, so a way to answer what do you do at work. Um, just like, I, thought, I found this really helpful. If you struggle connecting your work day to day in the week, with God's plan for your life and what's like, the, page 150 is really good. So he gives these little prompts that you could answer your child when they say, what do you do at work? And he could say, well, just like God helps people at work, I get to help people by, or just like God created the world at work, I get to create things like, or just like the Bible tells us to serve other people, I, at work I get to serve other people by, so I found that a really helpful little template of how you might respond in your own scenario. I think like so much of this too, like, wow, it's in this book. It's right here for us. So go home and write them down and stick them on your refrigerator and make the practice of just being able to like, cause usually you go right into the kitchen, right? Like when we come home, like I'm in the kitchen, like you're in, like, it's like the kitchen, like there's the refrigerator. How great would it be to, it's like right there. Like I'm going to ask you this. We're going to be intentional. I'm going to invite the kids to witness this. Yeah. Um, I thought about number two, habits of inviting them into the work of the household. Um, our neighbor does this in a really, like the first few paragraphs of this talking about like the wrench and the car and that kind of stuff. Being invited into the work of like the parents. Or yeah. Like so, but that was like, that's something that's very fun, like a, a hobby, right? Like the car. Our neighbor, he works on like dirt bikes and he and his son for hours will just be working on these dirt bikes. We don't really have anything particular like that because that's not, I mean, so that's like a large special hobby, but I think even down to like our household is probably cooking. Like Law loves to cook with me and we do the HelloFresh. We've got the stools that they can get in, like the, everything is accessible to them. And the answer is always yes. And if we eat some raw carrots and some overcooked carrots in the same bowl, cause they were chopped at different sizes, that's just what it is, but we invited them into that work and you know, you get the kids side, like the plasticky kids knives and things and just making it accessible to them to help. Um, I think about, I thought about two times where laundry in our house, laundry, I am very I committed to laundry systems. Um, <laughs> but I, there were two times, there was one time I walked into the kids bedrooms and um, it was when Eleanor was like really teeny tiny and so I could just put her somewhere and she wouldn't fall off. So she was on Grace Anna's bed and it, Grace Anna was at her bed and Law was at his bed and they're folding their clothes and I walk in and they're singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. And they're just singing and folding laundry and praising God. And it was wonderful. And then I think about the time where like everybody, like I dumped all the laundry on the dining room table and everybody had their bucket and you know they're supposed to sort it and fold it and that's their jobs but it turned into what you know he talked about and here like it was a the basketball game of it shooting was, the clothes yeah. and then like for a month after that every week it was like a really fun laundry they sorted, basketball they sorted their clothes by playing a game mm -hmm. and it was awesome he talks about yeah, yeah how important that is while you work mm -hmm. you know when you're with people who make that more fun like mm -hmm. and that's exactly what they're and doing. kids do that so well if we <laughs> let them i mean i and I, I model it so bad, you know, like, oh, like I'm laundry, blah, right? I don't know about that. <laughs> no, you do a good job of that. <laughs>
So uh-huh. I thought about that with just the way, the ways and the places we can invite them in. I think laundry and food, like clothing and food. Like well, two. I was super <laughs> convicted. Maybe the, uh, um, maybe you can relate to me. He, sh- he ends the chapter with something that just absolutely crushed me thinking about. Uh, he invited his son to help put together a shelf. And what he talks about, I mean, I've done this. Gosh, Ikea, <laughs> you're the bane of my existence. But, I love Ikea. Um, it was, it, look, it's a very fairly simple Ikea-like assembly, but since the boys are absolutely fascinated with the power drill, I asked my son if he wanted to stay up past bedtime and pull the trigger on the drill. And um, this just, I'll read this whole paragraph here. It's so, it, it's exactly resonated with me, and I'm so bad at this. You should have seen his face when I invited him to do it. I think it was the best part of his year. It took me roughly six times longer than if I'd done it by myself, and he also dented one of the poles but I didn't invite him to work with me because I needed the help. I invited him because I love him. If the main goal of work was efficiency, we would never invite kids into work. Their help is almost guaranteed to hurt. But what if the goal of work is not to get it done as fast as possible? What if the work was far more spiritual than that? What if work was more about making us like God? What if it's about service? What if it's about, like, as Ash felt, uh, with the drill, the pleasure of working beside the one who loves us. Mm-hmm. Um, she, or the, um, in the back, I loved it. As when I read that part, I immediately thought of the book, um, Tishares and Warren's book. That's the Liturgy of, Liturgy the, of the Ordinary. If any of you read that, Tishares and Warren is like my girl crush of, of female theologians. Um, a little controversial, but she writes this great book. It's two great books, um, highly recommend, but Liturgy of the Ordinary. Um, and I think so much of that is modeling the work that is in the ordinary. You know, can you make your bed and worship? Um, can you wash dishes with a heart of praise for God? Just those simple things, making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. This, you know, we, you know, in the college days, of college ministry days, we, you know, you, you see these hearts of, of students alive for the Lord, and what do they want to do? What do they feel like they have to go do? Something extraordinary. Like go be missionaries, go, you know, radicalize some... some Unreached people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But really, it's the... Can you be in the mundane, the ordinary, faithfully? And, and to the glory of God. And that, that ju- jumps into, can we give our kids a picture... That is that captures their imaginations mm-hmm. for these ordinary things. The way God actually views the simple, like washing the dishes, changing diapers, like simple stuff like that. That God sees as wonderfully amazing and important, but we often just overlook that. So that kind of gets at the importance of play, and mm-hmm. just as important as it is to teach our kids to work well, so it is to also to rest and to play. Mm-hmm. Um, what from that chapter stands out to you? <clears throat> well, well let's. I'll uh, I'll define what he says by. <laughs> I thought this was really good. Um, play is thus a way to re-enchant a disenchanted world. This is serious business. Habits of play must be a practice of the Christian household because they echo the kingdom that is to come. Mm-hmm. And so the three parts: read imaginative stories to them, and I mean that's what I was kind of talking about at the beginning. Like yeah. I, we love to read to our kids, and he Tell even them about has... the book. Tell them about the book that you did with your class. Have you? Have I already talked about? It? I don't know. I Little don't know. Pilgrim's Progress. That one. Have, have we you... talked about that book? Little Pilgrim's Progress. So John Bunyan's Pilgrim Progress. 
but it's animated and it's so well, well done. Well, let me give you the credit because I got it, it was this amazing adventure with this book, but Justin it, was the one who found it. If you recommend a thousand books, one of them has <laughs> surely wound up to be good. I think so that's we'll send you guys a picture of this one because there's a couple little parts. This one is a, it's, you gotta get this one. Um, and it's about the, it, they take the characters and they turn them into animals. Um, and so I, when I was teaching first grade, um, it, I mean, it's a, it's a fiction story, but everything is, it's, it's biblical themes. Um, and every day after lunch, we would come in and we would cut the lights off and we'd sit down and I would read two chapters of this book. And I mean, they're short chapters and this book did not have pictures. This was not one of these, like, let's really enjoy all the bright and colorful pictures. And it had bigger words and like a very complex long-term storyline, you know, like you're going to go weeks, yeah. seven weeks of reading this book every day, two chapters. And, um, I mean, you could hear a pin drop, like to really commit into reading this book, like using characters' voices and thinking about it. And I mean, there were days where these children, like it's a, a rabbit, um, Christian, and he has a burden on his back. And there was a point where um, he goes up this hill and he, he had been talking about this book, like I have this burden on my back, I have this burden on my back. So you're talking to these kids about what is a burden? What burdens do you carry? And believe it or not, I mean, six-year-olds, like, they carry burdens, and they're carrying the burdens of other people hugely. Um, and he gets up, and he's, he sees this cross, and his burden snaps off of his back and rolls away down the hill. And, I mean, at that point, like, these children's eyes were just glistening, and they're realizing, like, oh, it's like Jesus. Jesus has taken our burdens on the cross. And this whole, I mean, even the last part of it is they have to go through the last what river the, of death, yeah it's basically. like it's the river and and it's the rabbit and i can't remember the other characters with at this point but the rabbit is so fearful and this other character is to just keep looking up just keep looking up you this is our last our last hard part and and then we will be with the good king and i mean just it was amazing and it started even affecting families like it's just this one little book and these kids were going home telling their parents so then i had like all these other families in the class like getting this book and reading it at home and one mom comes in one day she goes i gotta tell you what's going on i'm reading this book and i feel the holy spirit go you need to call your mother-in-law and read this chapter aloud to her and that's weird she's like but uh, the holy spirit told me to do it so i did it and i called my mother-in-law and i read this chapter aloud to her and now my mother-in-law has bought copies of this book for all of her friends and they call each other and they read the book out loud to each other now and this is a children's book i mean this is not the real pilgrim's progress like this is a children's book but there's something so beautiful about it i mean i remember you and grace and when y'all went through it just there was a point where i walked I in and even, both y'all were like, I even talk <laughs> like <about it>. yeah. <laughs> But I think that it's like we have to find those good books. And so there's get, yeah, at the, the end, resources. Yeah, the end of that chapter on play, it gives some good resources at different ages. So mm -hmm. like little ones, and we would add, what did you say, five and over would be probably that, the Little Pilgrim's mm -hmm. Progress. Throw that in there. Chronicles of Narnia has been one that we've done. I'm excited about this. Has anybody read the Wing Feather Saga, the Andrew Peterson? I've heard about it. I think it's like just coming out in, uh, maybe there's a little video with stuff with it. I don't I've know. heard Redwall. Have y'all heard of Redwall? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I've heard people have, I don't know, I, don't know. I, I haven't read it. Redwall series by Brian Jocks is what. Five and over. Five and over. It's about the mice. I think that it's about the mice that are fiery, and I haven't read it. I have not 
Yeah. Yes. Perfect. It's great. Perfect. <laughs> well, those are good examples, and I haven't heard of that or read it either yet. So. But I think um, the real thing is, how do you read these books that aren't Christian, and how do you, you know, how do you take something like where the wild things are, and read that, and then point your children to Jesus through that? That's I think the biggest like. It's the belief <laughs> that every good story has its roots in the ultimate story of the gospel and all those things. Um, habitually accept their invitations to play. Good gracious. I <laughs> love, like, thank you for saying that, but thank you also for saying in this book that the, the reality, it's not realistic to do that all the time. And right? maybe like you shouldn't you, do And that. maybe you shouldn't do that. It yeah. even says that. Um, I was talking to a mom the other day and we were like, so like, have you ever been to a play date? And, um, like you bring your kids there to play together so that you and the parent can talk but the parent really is like one of those like plays with their kids parents and like the whole reason I go to play dates is to not play with my children and to connect with another adult um and then there's also times where I like to play so I think it's about finding that balance um yeah that was the there was <laughs> in the middle of 168 uh it talked about basically he says he accepts that because as like somebody who works out of the home all the time, it, he feels convicted to accept the invitation to play so much. You do that a lot. You play a lot with the kids. I do, but he said, but also recognize this is from the, the dad who works outside yeah. of the home. For a stay-at-home parent, the more important habit is probably going to be saying, you need to go outside and play mm -hmm. by yourself or do something. And just But having those, having both of them and having them... Mm -hmm. um, Habitually in, send in them out to play on their own. Yeah. Not tight. Yes. I think people forget. I have to tell my teenage children go outside, touch your hands, not so much as they're playing. What they end up doing is playing with their younger siblings. Mm -hmm. and so, or younger siblings in the neighborhood, even. Right. And so I think it's so important to keep reminding them that mm -hmm. because sometimes they get so into a little teenage world that they forget it's okay to go and be have fun with their parents. Yeah, just simply being outside. It's amazing how quickly, I mean, like the first couple minutes usually of the boredom. Yeah. But like being, when they're outside, I find that that's so much different than being inside. Yeah, that's when I usually lock the door. Like I stand on the other side of the glass, like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any other concluding thoughts on I, that? I don't. I think these things are great. Yeah. So let's take some time. We're going to get plenty of time to to get into smaller groups today. Um, and you should have the questions that are there. I will, as always, highlight, if you don't have a copy, this week's are really good, the oh. answers to what the parents said on the parent panel. Um, it is so refreshing to hear people I really look up to say what it really looks like in their homes, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. and. Um, so I commend that to you, but let's do this. Let's break off again. Just maybe this side y'all can get together. This side y'all get together. And there's a bunch of questions. Pick some that you like.